What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Rogues of the Black Fury, Episode 2 Rogues of the Black Fury, a novel, written and produced by Travis Heerman. This novel contains violence, adult language, and mature situations. Listener discretion is advised. For more information, please visit travisheerman.com slash rogues. Chapter 2 Grand General Janus Wollstone listened for the third time to his son's account of what happened. Morning sunlight spilled like molten gold through the windows of Tarnak Castle's audience chamber, stretching across hardwood floors in long, warm stripes. The whitewashed walls, chased with gold paint and carven reliefs, glowed bright. Outside the windows, Birds sang joy to the day in stark contrast to the grim mood in the chamber. Javin stood rod straight before him, alongside the generals of the other noble houses. He told it the same way each time, and each time his voice grew harsher and the bitterness tightened the muscles in his jaw. Janus stood before his conference table on the dais, with maps of Norgard spread to make his advisers feel effectual. This was not a military situation. In his heart, he cursed them all. His daughter was gone. Vanished like smoke on a moonless night. His insides were a sizzling stew of emotions, and his fists were beginning to ache from being clenched so tightly for so long. It had been a long night, the city in an uproar, troops in the streets, Javan ambushed. The blue dragons, shocked and furious at their failure, in a frenzy of indecision, and their commander, wounded and just as indecisive. With their charge stolen from under their noses, perhaps by one or more of their number, they became like a blade without a hand to wield it. Janus could see Javan's suppressed pain in every line of his young face. He had the look Janus had seen on many faces through years of war, the empty, haunted look of a young man near the brink where a thousand more deaths or a thousand more failures would not matter to him in the slightest. The last battles before the ceasefire had been brutal for Javan, and ever since he had been little but dark and brooding. 
Bella was the only thing that made Javin smile these days. He was not equipped to deal with losing her. Not this way. Javin continued his report, a superb example of a Cuscan officer in spite of his condition. The lad showed no sign that he had a stitched-up gash as long as a hand across his shoulder. After I awoke, Javin said, I found two guards dead on the mezzanine. Two others, Rolf and Gustin, are missing. I believe it was Gustin who attacked me and Rolf who snatched Bella. The guards near the stairwell saw nothing. They came at Bella's scream, but there was no sign of her or her captors. They all simply vanished. We immediately searched the theater from top to bottom. Janice Wollstone shook his head and ran thick, calloused fingers through his meticulously trimmed hair and beard. Even after being awake all night, his dark blue gold-chased uniform was immaculate. Gold braid epaulets gleaming with the sapphires of House Wollstone, the Wollstone crest of a writhing blue dragon exquisitely stitched above his heart. Appearance was a skill honed and maintained by years of martial service. He looked as if he had just left his steward. That fastidious image was critical for any man who commanded one of the great warrior houses, even more so for the Grand General. Even more so at a time like this. Janice said, No, they didn't vanish. They simply eluded you and your other guards. Javin's pale cheeks reddened. Perhaps Janice's voice had been too cold. Lord Callus Farron stepped from behind Javin. Your Excellency, if I may. He was tall and spare, with cheekbones that made his thin face look even bonier. His Adam's apple bobbed as he spoke, and Janice detected a sheen of sweat on the man's narrow expanse of forehead. What is it, Lord Farron? My son was speaking. Lord Farron bowed perfunctorily toward Javin. My apologies, Your Excellency, Lord Javin. My men have rounded up a number of individuals with known ties to farthy interests. Our investigation is well underway. We will question every last one of them. We will find her, I swear it. Javin turned to Lord Farron, and his voice was as cold as ice. Lord Farron, your men couldn't find a whore's nethers with both hands. Janice suppressed a smile, in spite of his mood and, in, and the gravity of the moment. His son still had some spirit. Lord Farron blustered, but Javin squared to face him. Since the cessation of open war, Lord Farron, your men have degenerated into the worst kind of rabble. They spend their time drinking and whoring, and when they should be maintaining their level of readiness for the next farthy attack. Lord Farron's face flushed red, and a vein pulsed on his bony forehead. Javin pressed forward. You do not deny it. And although we appreciate your efforts to find my sister, do not think that this display will erase the disgrace that House Farron's troops have become. Janice spoke. Enough, Javin. Now is not the time for rebukes. He fixed his gaze on each of them, in turn. House Wollstone remembers its friends and comrades in House Farron. We hold our debts as dearly as our grudges. Lord Farron, your assistance honors us both, and I trust that your inquiries will bear fruit. Meantime, Javin, you will continue to apply all your efforts with the Blue Dragons. He turned his gaze to the other eight lords standing in ranks behind Javin. All the great warrior houses of Cusca, 
assembled with all their power and history and prestige at his command. And his little girl was missing. They had to get her back, or his fury would put a red-waste sand hell to shame. Another voice rose from the ranks of the other lords. Lord Challen Harstorm, nearly as resplendent as the Grand General in his shimmering maroon uniform and golden epaulets, stepped forward and snapped a salute. Your Excellency, may I speak? His clean-shaven head gleamed in the sunlight, and his snow-white beard thrust outward like a Kalad's chin-spike. Janice nodded toward him. Lord Harstorm, please. Lord Harstorm's voice was smooth and sonorous. Your Excellency, there is something that must be considered. It is possible that your daughter and her captors are no longer within the city. Javin said, But we locked the city so quickly. How could anyone have reached the gates faster? Begging my Lord Javin's pardon, but there are many ways in and out of the city. A small team of men, skilled lurkers, could spirit out of the city, unseen and unheard, by any number of routes, the harbor, the underground, a rope or ladder over the walls. Our walls have weaknesses for those who know where to look. Can you describe the knife that wounded you again, my lord? Javin did so, and his gaze grew distant. Janus knew the look of a man with an image seared on the front of his mind like a brand. My lords, Lord Harstorm continued, it sounds without question like a certain farthy weapon. Lord Farron snorted. Of course it sounds like a farthy weapon. Who else would it be? Lord Harstorm's gaze fixed upon Farron and speared him in place like a lancer spitting a straw target. Why, my dear Lord Farron, it could be any one of us. The lords erupted in protest. Janus allowed their protest for a few moments, then raised his hand. Enough! One word was all it took. Are you suggesting, Lord Harstorm, that one of you is a traitor to House Wollstone? He pointedly looked around the chamber at the guards, standing silent as statues near the two entrances. Lord Harstorm stood straighter. Your Excellency, I'm not suggesting or accusing. I'm merely stating the possibility that the kidnappers are not farthy. How convenient it would be, wouldn't it, Your Excellency, to abduct your daughter, hold her hostage, and divert our attention by making it appear to be a farthy plot. Janus nodded and rubbed his beard. The thought had already occurred to him. The title of Grand General was political as well as military. He had wrested the title from House Macklin, after their general had been slain in battle, then cemented his claim to the throne by prowess in battle, and by seeing to it that a multitude of glories, both real and embellished, were heaped upon his name. Some of the lords, standing across from him, were loyal friends. Some were friends of convenience. Some were power-hungry malcontents who would steal the Grand General's position in a heartbeat if they could be sure that the other lords would not tear them to shreds afterward. Since the cessation of the war, keeping track of those who were friends and who were enemies had become a full-time endeavor. Regrettably, it too often distracted his attention from their centuries-old enemy, the Farthy. Janus raked the nobleman with his hard blue gaze. I'll be damned to a thousand hells before I'll allow Bella to end up in a farthy chieftain's harem. All of them knew the horrors that awaited a Cuscan girl in a farthy harem. 
And such will be the fate of any traitor found within Cuscan halls. Lord Harstorm cleared his throat. Your Excellency, if I may continue. Do go on. Before I was interrupted, I said, a certain farthy weapon. I am speaking of a particular kind of weapon. I have four farthy servants, all women. Lord Harstorm stroked his beard. I overheard them speaking to each other one night. My ear for the farthy tongue is such that I only understood about half of which they spoke, but they were speaking of a special kind of knife like the one you describe, curved downward with a jagged blade, something about using it for a sacrifice or maybe an offering to their prophets. He spat. Those heathens are so drunk on religion it sickens me. When I ask the women about it, they shut their mouths as if moon devils were about to fall upon them. Janice said, Further interrogation is in order, Lord Harstorm. Of course, my lord, Lord Harstorm bowed. Before the sun sets, I'll have the truth of it. The guards at the room's main entrance snapped to attention as a tall, imposing figure in a deep blue uniform strode between them, shiny black boots echoing his swift, sure steps across the gleaming hardwood. Janice's elder cousin, Lord Major General Terrell Wollstone, approached as if he had something to say. "'Lord Terrell,' Janice said, his throat clenching with expectation. "'So glad you could join us again so quickly.' Lord Terrell reached the assembled throng and snapped perfunctory bows. He bore the same imposing height and dark, rugged features that were the hallmark of House Wollstone. But he was half Janice's weight. Dark gray circles draped under his slate-gray eyes, but his hair was perfectly slicked, his mustache immaculately teased. Your Excellency, the bodies of four men were found in the waters of the canal, near one of the submerged grates. They all bore identical wounds. The head of each man was nearly severed by a single cut from a razor-sharp blade. The state of their corpses indicates that they were likely killed sometime during the night. Janice's heart flipped over. Bella might be gone, spirited away by only the sun knew. My lords, hear me. I cannot make this clearer. Every house will muster every available man to search this city from parapet to pier, every nook and cranny, every house, every shop, every warehouse, every stable, every sewer. If Bella and her captors are within these walls, we will find them before sunset. Every door in this city will be open to you, and if it isn't, you will smash it open. Now go, and may Inanan guide our eyes and keep her safe. The lords bowed, saluted, and departed leaving Janus with his son, his cousin, and the guards. Janus barked, All of you, leave us! The blue dragon guards marched out. Bella's captors had been hand-picked members of the blue dragons. Janus took a deep breath and rubbed his eyes with thumb and forefinger. If he could not trust hand-picked men, whom could he trust? My thanks, cousin, Janus said, for the swift discovery. You know what this means, yes? Javin spoke up. It means that she is probably no longer within Norgard's walls. We must send out our riders to scour the countryside. Aye, son, do that now. Waste no time. And once you have, come and find me. There's something else we must discuss. Of course, father. Javin bowed and hurried out of the chamber. After he had gone, Janice turned to Terrell. Were you observing the meeting? 
The walls of his audience chamber were fraught with spy holes. Every corner could be seen and heard. Terrell sniffed. I was watching them. What did you see? Terrell twisted his mustache. I saw eight very nervous noblemen and a young man ready to fall upon his sword for shame and anguish. Janice nodded. Would any of them be capable of an act such as this? Terrell clasped his hands behind his back and began to pace. At once, all of them. And none of them. Janice raised an eyebrow. Terrell was an astute judge of men most of the time, and such a declaration was not a welcome one. Terrell continued, All of them are ruthless, and all of them are liars. A man does not raise his house to power and keep it without such qualities. Other commanders within his house will remove him if he shows weakness and fails to pass on the house standard beyond his proper time, yes? Janice nodded. They were all military men, but they were politicians as well, and theirs was a small, incestuous circle of power. The force that united them all was the enemy of Cusca, the land of Fartha. Any of them, Terrell continued, have the nature to perform a deed such as kidnapping your daughter and holding her hostage. But they don't have the will. Your power and prestige are at their peak. Cusca is stable and secure, and the Farthi are far away. Only a united Cusca reminds the Farthi of our power. It would be the height of lunacy for one of them to foment a power struggle among the great houses. Perhaps one of them seeks to dent my power and prestige. Terrell shook his head. I think not. I watch them carefully. House Kerrigan and House Macklin are not loyal, but they had nothing to hide this morning. Besides, you have their heirs as officers in the ranks of House Wollstone troops. They'll always bear watching, but, but I think the truth lies with a more obvious explanation. And that is, I believe that Bella was kidnapped by a band of farthy spies. For what specific purpose, I do not yet know. It was well planned, perfectly executed, and those men, the two blue dragons and whoever their accomplices, have either turned traitor or they have been in place among us for years. Were they turned somehow or were they spies from the beginning? We cannot know until we find them. There is one more person you must meet with, an obvious choice. I know. I've been saving that one for later. If I have a chance to observe the Farthy ambassador while you speak with him, I, I know, cousin, but I fear I won't be able to restrain myself. Something about him doesn't sit well with me. He's too clever by a league. But he is tired of war and bloodshed. I've seen that much in him. Even if he knows nothing directly, he may offer a clue about how to find those men. And find them we must. It was good to hear Terrell confirm what Janice had already guessed. It would make the news easier to break. Yes, Janice said, find her we must. That's why we need to use every available weapon. He locked his gaze with Terrell's. A parade of emotions flashed through his cousin's eyes. No, Janice, tell me you didn't. Janice held his gaze and rested his hands upon the table. Terrell's voice rose to a squeak, and he swallowed hard, resting one hand on his flat belly. Tell me you didn't. Another voice boomed across the room, thick and accented like an avalanche of gravel across boot leather. Aye, he did toddle, you fucking fish-lump, milk-breath 
codsucker. Thank you for listening to Rogues of the Black Fury by Travis Heerman. If you enjoy the story, don't be shy. Let me know. I would love to hear from you. And don't forget to go to this podcast's homepage and click the donate button. Give whatever you like, but is $4.99 really too much to ask for this many hours of entertainment? Rogues of the Black Fury is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. I encourage you to copy it and give it away to all your roguish friends. Just don't change it or sell it, or the Black Furies will soon be coming after you.